And welcome back, everybody, to the Norwood Noise. We are finally back in the same town. We're back in beautiful Norwood, Ohio, bringing you the best college basketball news. My name is Graham Griffith. I'm alongside Evan Schimmel. Evan, how are you? You know, I am great. I can't complain. Um, we're back here in beautiful Norwood, Ohio, just outside Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and I cannot complain. I'm, I'm excited to be back with you. Obviously, the school year, I would say, I'm not going to speak for you, but for myself, has been pretty solid start of the year. Um, and, yeah, I'm very much excited and uh, ready to get back to college hoops, I think. Um, you know, that it, this is the one time of the year that I do miss. Like, I, I'm not saying I miss having football because um, I'm not the biggest football fan. I don't, I don't miss the whole, like, you know, social experiment of going and hanging out at football games. But I do, um, you know, with that being said, I do miss um, having, you know, something going on, you know, week to week. I love during basketball season. It's, you know, a game or two a week, and it just kind of helps you get to, okay, well, you know, if I get through these two classes, I get this game tomorrow and, you know, things like that. That's exciting for me. Um, so I'm excited to get back to that point. But anyways, I've rambled on long enough. Graham, how are you doing, sir? Doing good. I mean, I love being back here on campus surrounded by, you know, all the friends that you missed all summer. But then uh, once you get back to normalcy, it's just like when is college basketball coming back? So the little pod that we got for you guys tonight's as exciting as it is for you guys as it is for us, I mean, to get back into the swing of things, get back with some regular content. Um, and, of course, I'm blessed to be face-to-face with my man Evan instead of over uh, Zoom Pro. No, uh, no, Zoom Regular. Oh, yeah, we're, Zoom Regular. That's, don't, on our, that's on our budget. Yeah, uh, the expenditure of having uh, Zoom Pro so that we can have meetings longer than 40 minutes no longer needs to uh, be a thought. Yeah. We can finally just sit down and say, Evan, I'm ready to get noisy in Norwood. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> That's good. Um, well, we're going to kick it off our first, really our only large piece of news that we have for you. Um, we're going to talk about the conference schedule. Um, we haven't done that yet, um, and that just came out this past Friday. Um, and, of course, here it is Wednesday on our usual recording time, so we're going to record and upload today. Um, but, yeah, i excited to kind of get after this. Um, new schedule that we just got this past Friday. Um, so we're going to kind of go through it one by one, talk about each game a little bit, um, you know, mostly in brief. But uh, we'll move quickly through that. And then we've got a couple fun little prompts that, you know, we put together here in the last few moments just to add a little bit of content to the evening and maybe spark some conversation, um, you know, around our around the podcast. So anywho, um Non-conference schedule, we've already kind of briefed it. I know it was mentioned in one of our off-season pods, um, but I'll run through it again. We've got Kentucky-Westland. That's going to be our exhibition match. And then after that, we'll play at home against Morgan State, Montana, Fairfield. All solid programs. Wouldn't overlook any of these games, especially Montana and Fairfield. Those are both very solid teams. Um, And Montana, usually a perennial uh, tournament team out of the Big West, so we've got to keep an eye on that one. Um, and then we get the Gavit tip-off games again, just like we did last year playing Ohio State at home. This year we drew Indiana. I'm um, excited to see that one. A little bit of a border war here with Indiana and Ohio. Should be a good one there. Uh, then next we head out to Portland, Oregon to play in the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. Super excited for that one. Um, I think that's going to be really fun. Um, we drew Florida in the first round, a little rematch, the NIT. The NIT game was great, so I think, again, it'll be another very solid matchup. 
Um, I think we're both very evenly matched teams, so I think it'll be interesting to kind of see how that goes out there in Oregon. Obviously, um, I think we'll come out favored in the game, but we'll see how it goes. Um, and then after that, uh, we'll play either if we win, we'll play most likely Duke, but the winner of Duke, Oregon State, and then obviously the loser plays the loser. So um, I would love to see Duke. I think that would be one of the most emotionally taxing days of my life. Um, that's Black Friday. That is, for those that don't know, that is U.S. England um, as well on that day. So, Graham, I don't know about you, but if I had Duke Xavier, could because I hate Duke, and obviously Xavier being my home school, and U.S. England in the same day, I don't know that I could handle all the emotions. No, I'm, I'm tapping out. I might, I might just not watch any sports that week. I mean, it's rivalry weekend football. First week of the World Cup. Yeah, Michigan, yeah, Michigan State football or Michigan Ohio State the next day as well. I mean, yeah, just so much going on. I, I might just not watch any sports. I don't think I'd be able to handle it at all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, and then we'll have. Um, that Sunday is how it's listed. Do we not have a Saturday game? Is that it's only three games? Yeah, it's, it's only three games, and the Sunday one is listed as either the championship or we'll get a consolation game in the morning. Correct. Okay, so yeah, so we'll play either a consolation or in the championship that Sunday, um, the 27th, and then Southeast Louisiana back at home here uh, the next, the following week following that game. And then we host West Virginia. Should be an interesting one. Little Big 12 battle. Again, another border state right on the other side. Um, and then we travel to UC. We're going on the road this year. Um, going over to Fifth Third Arena. We'll be excited to see that. Um, I think the only thing that personally makes me nervous that I first noticed when I was looking at the schedule, that is our first true road game, um, which does concern me a little bit. The fact that we haven't played a road game yet and we go there um, – while I'm sure we'll be the favorite team in that matchup, you know, that does concern me a little bit. You never know. You can get into a hostile environment. Things can get weird. UC gets on a little run. I could see that game getting a little hairy simply because of the fact of the environment. Mm -hmm. And one year of, uh, I mean, Coach Miller on the Cincinnati side. (laughs) Yes, that's right. we got two Coach Millers this year. That double Miller. Um, I mean, he's a great coach, and he did a, a great job before coming to UC. And you, they showed a few flashes in games that this is definitely a new era for Cincinnati basketball. And just for a fan of the sport and hoping that, you know, this uh, crosstown shootout brings great moments, I think Cincinnati's going to be a way better team than last year. Uh, last year, uh, Bearcats could not handle Xavier at all. It was, a, it was a blowout. So now, I mean... They got a chip on their shoulder. It's one more year of West Miller, you know, bringing everyone together. Um, and then they get to be on their home court. It's going to be a great game. Um, I'm super excited for that one. Outside of uh, the Phil, Phil Knight Invitational, I think that's what I'm looking most forward to in our non-conference, just because of all the stakes of two new coaches. But in the same sense, it's they've been guys that have hung around. I mean, obviously, Sean Miller has – a little bit more of a reputation with them, um, you know, his Arizona time and going to Elite Eights and whatnot, but it's still a great, great game, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the uh, the cross country that's going to be one that it's going to get a lot of publicity this year for sure. A lot of people are going to take note of this one. So very excited to see what that one brings. Um, then Graham's mentioned earlier. I love that uh, we got we got Southern scheduled there that next week. Just a nice little tune-up game. Not saying we need to overlook it or anything, but. Um, nice little tune-up game right before Big East play begins. 
Um, and then this is the new schedule, so I'll go ahead and run through it very quickly, um, and then we'll come back and kind of go through it all. But our first uh, Big East play game is going to be a road game at Georgetown, Friday the 16th of December. Um, and then we come back home, play Seton Hall. Then we go to St. John's, home against UConn. I do not like that UConn is while uh, the students are on break. That's on New Year's Eve. Um, so that's tough. Uh, that's really difficult. Obviously, probably not a ton of students are going to be around for that one. Um, so unfortunate to see that. It was kind of like Marquette last year. Um, Marquette was like mid-December last year and everybody was at home. So unfortunate to see that. Um, but I think this one maybe is almost even worse because it's right in that weird time between um, Christmas and um, New Year's to where a lot of students, even ones that like have, you know, off-campus houses and apartments and things like that, ones that would maybe stay for majority of the break, even while they are, you know, even while other students are gone, like on-campus students are gone, that might even be the time when they're gone too, just because it's that weird kind of holiday time between Christmas and New Year's. A lot of times people will stay through those two holidays and then come back. So again, kind of a tough look, um, a little bit unfortunate, um, but again, what are you gonna do? Um, you're gonna have to have a quality home game or two um, on the you know while students are on break. Same thing with Seton Hall again, another tough one that we got over break. But then we go on the road to Villanova the first weekend um, right before we come back to school, um, and then we roll right in and play Creighton um, that first week we're back from school. So it's kind of like Villanova was last year. That first week back in classes, syllabus week. Um, and then we got a tough matchup as well. So that should be a good one. Um, and then we play Marquette at home on Sunday. I love that matchup and that time slot. We've got either a noon or a 4.30. It's going to be opposite of the NFL playoff game that Sunday. Um, and we're going to be on Fox on national TV. I think that's a great look. I think it's a winnable game. I do think Marquette's going to be a stern test. Again, like we were saying, Chaka Smart in the second year. I think it'll be a good team, a good test. But again, very excited to kind of see what that matchup brings and what that time slot brings. So, um, moving forward, we go at DePaul, then home against Georgetown, on the road to UConn and Creighton, back-to-back. That's going to be a tough stretch. Um, and then we come uh, home again, Providence and St. John's. Then we go on the road to Butler and Marquette. Butler on a Friday night is huge. Um, definitely going to try and probably get some students up there, um, which would be a fun little road trip kind of for the students. Break up the school year a little bit mid-February. be kind of nice to have that. Then we come home for DePaul and Villanova. Villanova in late February, which isn't a bad thing, I don't think. Um, kind of one last huge, huge test right before we get into that kind of postseason play. Go on the road to Seton Hall and Providence, which is no slouch of an end to the conference season, obviously. Then home against Butler for senior night, which I don't think is a bad look either. And then we get into the Big East tournament. So that wraps up our conference schedule. Um, outside of what I know, Graham, are there anything else that's jumping off the page of you? You know, any other matchups, time slots, whatever things you're looking forward to coming with conference play? Yeah, the stretch that, I mean, we talk about this all the time, that the Big East is returning to its prominence and having top-to-bottom great teams. I mean, last year... There, I think there was only one team that wasn't, like, universally respected, and that was, like, Georgetown, but it's still, you know, a reputable brand and stuff, and Coach Pat Shewing and everything like that. Um, but this year, I mean, it's the same story, just a different year, that every team is going to be a test. But even with that being said, there's always going to be, there's a few stretch of games where it's like, oh, look at that draw. It still feels like it's going to be a difficult time. And the one that comes to me is uh, Wednesday, and in late January we go at UConn, and we 
come back home and travel immediately again to Creighton uh, for an early game. So that's tough on tough on the boys, you know. Um, it's a very good point that there's a 12-15 game that Saturday yeah. against Creighton. You know, Wednesday, come back late that night. Thursday, you're going to have to have some sort of practice or walkthrough because Friday it's going to be early morning practice and then you're on a flight to Omaha for an early game on Saturday. And you get through those two games, two tough opponents, um, two of the top teams in the Big East this year, probably in the preseason poll, um, within, you know, 72 hours. And then you have Wednesday at home versus Providence. And who knows what Providence will be this year. I mean, they did lose some of their key players, but they are – but they were that team for a reason. I think Ed Cooley's doing an amazing job. It's, I don't think it was talked about nearly as much as it should have been last year. Totally, um, totally agree. Ed Cooley is the man. Yeah, it, I think Providence. Like every every time you brought up their name, it was like, oh, they're not analytically sound, and they don't do this, they don't do that. They got their luck. Ken Palm ranking isn't good enough. Yeah, they they got lucky or whatever. At the end of the day, they won games, and while they didn't have amazing tournament success. I mean, they, to be fair, I mean, they won all the games they should have, and then they lost to the eventual tournament champions. Yes. So it's like, you know. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, while they weren't, you know, like the the best team in the tournament, went on a Final Four run, they won the Big East. And that is very hard to do, especially in Jay Wright's, well, last year. Um, and, uh, and then I'm looking at the end of the season where um, – those last few games when you're really trying to build your resume before the Big East tournament, you're fighting for some seeding spots to see if you're going to play on the first day and all that good stuff like that. You have a Villanova at home. They travel well. And then you go at Seton Hall, at Providence. And then your senior night, which is supposed to be about, you know, the bells and whistles and everything's all special and all that. It's Butler. And nothing would make the, the Bulldogs happy if they come from Indianapolis and they ruin our senior night. I mean, that just has disaster written all over it for us, but it's like they end their season in a much-needed, you know, win when they're trying to cap off their season. So there's a lot of great storylines in the Big East. I mean, no matter which way you slice it, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough stretch, but those were the few that uh, stood out to me. I love that, and I uh, I couldn't agree more. You make a really good point. I mean, obviously, I knew, oh, at UConn, at Creighton, that's going to be tough, but especially looking at those times is a really good point, thinking you know, that that's going to be a, a tough kind of back-to-back there, um, getting back late Wednesday and having to play early Saturday. It's a really good point. So thank you for your managerial perspective there, Graham. Um, all righty, so we're going to roll now into – we've got three little fun segments planned out. Um, I'll let you choose whichever one you want to go first with. Um now. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to get right into um, this bucket list idea that we had that if you could travel and attend a basketball game at three different basketball arenas, what would be yours? Um, I think if we could go out uh, one off, so uh, Evan, you can give me your first and then I'll give mine and we can go from there. Yeah, um, I think this one probably wouldn't have been on the list um, originally, but after hearing. Um, Quite a few people, you know, because last year, I'll kind of hint at it, see if you can get it. Last year, they had their first, like, reputable non-con 
game for the first time in you know quite a while. It's really tough to get teams to travel there, um, and so uh, it definitely was you know the first time that in a while that they had someone you know super well known in a in a great uh, top ten matchup there um, during their non con schedule. Um, and after hearing a ton of you know journalists and reporters and things like that rave about it. Um, it definitely stored into my into my top bucket list. So uh, I'm gonna go with Gonzaga, the mm-hmm. Kennel Club. Um, I would love to see it. I've heard it's crazy and it's small and compact, and people are on top of you. That all that I'm so into that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So I think getting out to Spokane for a game would definitely be and on my top three. I didn't think about this when I was picking my list, but if I was to you know travel the country and go to college basketball arenas. Ones that I would circle towards the end after I'm hitting, like, the cool arenas would be looking at campuses. And Gonzaga's just beautiful. Spokane's just an awesome place. Yes, and that would be be a great trip. Mm. If I could sneak in a kennel club game while I'm there. Exactly. Just an added bonus. Mm -hmm. Um, Clear-cut favorite when we're making this list would have to be talking about Cameron Indoor Stadium. One of mine as well, of course. I mean, growing up in college basketball, being a fan of college basketball's history, watching every documentary that there is, Cameron Indoor Stadium just seems like something out of this world. Um, To see a great, like, ACC rivalry game there would be unreal. Um, You know, with the crazies, you know, doing their thing and just compact and just a sea of blue in an historic gym would be one of the coolest feelings I think that you can have. I, I agree. I think it's it's one of the few places left because I guess the way that I see it, like they could have a Rupp Arena, they could have eighteen thousand and sell it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's one of the few, few, few places left that still is like, yeah, that's the original gym. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it looks. Like, it doesn't look like an arena. It looks like a gym. Mm-hmm. You know, that it has the very much like a, almost like a high school gym feel to some extent. Yeah, I mean, that's why um, student section's on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, there's nowhere else to go. I And I love that. I think that's so cool. Like, as much as I hate Duke, and I always will, that is something that they hold near and dear. And I will, I don't know that I can ever say, you know, one or another between Allen Fieldhouse and, and Cameron Endor. Like, it's... I think the argument is, you know, one and the same. I think they are, you know, tit for tat. All the positives that, you know, Duke has are, you know, maybe things that KU misses out on, but then they have, you know, other positives that kind of offset. So, again, I think those two are are very, very similar um, in that sense. But, yeah, so I would agree with you. Cameron Indoor would probably be my second. Mm-hmm. Um, to get into my second that I had, would be uh, the pit in New Mexico. I Love mean, that one. Obviously, the historic nature, you know, all the NC State stuff with Jimmy V would be one. But I just think it's just really cool idea you know, that you're going downhill. And, like, when you're on ground level, you're looking deep down in. And it's not like you're going upstairs and then you're going down kind of like how Cintas is on a hill. Like, no, you are in the ground. And I just think that is so unique, very cool, something that other arenas can't say that they have. It'd be something very unique. Um, if I ever in New Mexico, uh, I'd love to go to the pit and enjoy some Lobos action. Yeah, and one of the coolest nicknames in, in college hoops by far. It's got to be. Um, 
like oh, come on i mean outside of that and then like the road runners i think is one of my other favorites personally um yeah love all those um for my my final one it's gotta be the palestra pen yeah i i for me it is because so many east coasters rave about it as like no this is the cathedral of college basketball and being a kansas fan of course i fight that Mm -hmm. but i need to see it you know is it maybe not what it used to be sure the big five games aren't as much of a thing anymore they're you know you know much more rare you don't see them on the schedule too often but to think back to the days that they'd have that first of all all five of those philly teams were top tier programs yeah and then you'd have like the double header nights where you'd have nova st joseph's and then you know Penn and LaSalle mm-hmm. you know like that like the thought of that with like a back-to-back window of you're gonna get two quality games here you know and then like Temple made their run and you know late 80s 90s you know early thousands too um like I I just would love to see it um and again similar to Cameron it feels um like one of those places that's still truly a gym at, at its core right and then a, a basketball arena second so that would be kind of rounding out my three. Uh, I, I've recently thought about um, just like that the small atmosphere, but the, the history that comes with um, Penn's, Penn's gym is just, it, it's something rare. I mean, even when you still have the same arena, but you're, you know, making additions to it and you're changing the paint, like, they're becoming more commercialized and everything, and that's great, and it looks great. I mean, look at Cintas Center with, like, the painting of the backdrop to make it navy. Like, Cintas... The addition, the addition of the new scoreboard. Yeah, like, like... Like, to me, that's the kind of stuff that makes it look like it's not a gem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, it, like, and it's great for commercial and fan experience and whatever, but, like, totally. when I'm thinking of, like, bucket list stuff, I'm not going to a gym to see, like, the scoreboard... A nice video board. Or a concession stand. Like, I just want to feel like... Totally agree. The peak of basketball can be displayed in the atmosphere that's just perfect for a fan, not just uh, someone who's going to buy a ticket. And the final one to round out mine would be uh, Assembly Hall, Indiana. That's a good one. Man, I forgot about that one. Uh, The fact, I just think it's one of the more pretty and aesthetically pleasing um, arenas without going like over the top like it still feels like it's stuck in 20th century but in a good way and um the fact that bloomington's so close to us uh only a few hours i feel like there's got to be an opportunity to see trace jackson davis play in assembly hall this year it's funny that you say that because i have another one over there in indiana obviously assembly hall would be on my list but another one that i really want to see he's gonna say it I, dude, I want to see Mackie. Oh, okay. What did you think I was going to say? Hinkle. Oh. I've already seen Hinkle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hinkle's so. underwhelming. That's hot take. Hinkle's underwhelming. Yeah. Hinkle's underwhelming. Like, you think you're going to see, like, this historical, like, field house, and then you walk in, and it's kind of like, there's no concourse. Gross. So there's, like, no, like, like, place to see your history or, like, whatever. It's kind of just, like, boom, there, gym. And, like. And it's in the middle of nowhere. Well, mm, I don't know. I mean, it's it's on campus, which is nice. Yeah. But, and their their campus is, like, in the middle of, like, a very well-off neighborhood, which is really weird. Um, 
but that's a whole other thing. They don't do things right in Butler. <laughs> Here's my thing with Hankel. I get it. Like, I do. Like, when I came in, I was like, okay, I see how this is cool. It's mm-hmm. a weird setup. I sat up on one of the balconies and, like, couldn't see, like, the near half of the floor, which was weird. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I get the appeal. I do. And, and I do I want to go back? Absolutely. Mostly just because I want to go hang out with the 70% Xavier crowd. But, like, you know, I just – it's cool. I get it. But, like, I just – I want them to be good again. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. For the sake of college basketball and for the sake of Butler basketball, they need to be good again. Last year, I think a big part of it was, for me, that the the fans weren't there. You know, it was a Friday night game. Granted, it was right at the beginning of break. But the fans weren't there. It was kind of a lackluster environment from the students. Like, the student section wasn't full. You know, it, it just wasn't everything it had kind of been hyped up to be. And I do think part of that is just on the fact that they finished last in the Bees last year. And they were kind of just like, eh. Yeah, and it, it brought good moments that it was mostly Xavier fans and then gave uh, Paul Scruggs the opportunity to yell at the top of his lungs, this is my beloved city of Indianapolis, this is my place, and I love it here. Right. I love yes. when he said that. We're yeah, that verbatim. was pretty cool. Verbatim. Um, yeah, we don't – Yeah, we don't – necessarily background check our quotes but yeah i think that's exactly what he said something like that um but anyways no my, my point is yeah i i think um hinkle is at least as of when i saw it was a little bit overhyped but let's uh let's do a big 10 road trip this year shall we graham you want to go see you want to yeah. see mackie and the assembly yeah as long as we stay away from value city arena the schottenstein center in columbus ohio I'm good. Biggest I, waste of space. That is a concert venue that you can play basketball at, and no one should ever go. Thank you, Columbus. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, um, and that you're able to own that because I, you know, but I think there's a lot of places like that. Mm-hmm. You know, teams that play in multi-purpose. Or, shout out Georgetown. Uh, like, KFC Yum Center. Yeah, the Yum Center. Like people that hype up the Yum Center, I'm like, no. Grow up. Yeah, it is literally it is not finger a looking multi-purpose. Good. It is literally a multi-purpose arena, and no, it is not finger looking good. And okay. they do not have a home, a professional sports team. Well, technically, they have a USL two side. All right, moving Global on. Louisville City FC. <laughs> moving on, we're gonna talk. They have about a sweet it. stadium. They do. We're gonna talk about our favorite <laughs> jerseys um, of all time. I'm getting straight into this one uh, with a relatively recent one. Um, Now, Evan might not like this because we're going to keep talking about Duke, but the gothic Navy Duke jerseys with the white strips. Yeah, those are sweet. Um, First of all, it just looks amazing. And then secondly, I think it's just so cool when um, college basketball teams pay homage to their campus and their jerseys. I think it's something that... um, we're seeing in professional sports teams tying in like their city. Yeah, was it called like the city? Yeah, the NBA uh, does like the city jerseys. City and, jerseys, yeah. Um, we're seeing a little bit of football like here and there with like little accents and whatever. But Duke tying in their baseball's doing the series that was at the City Connect. Yeah, MLB's doing the City Connect series. Those are sweet, by the way. Yeah, like uh, the Nationals do like the cherry blossoms. And yeah, but like this and like the um, the Padres had like a weird like. Yeah. Almost Miami Vice kind of vibe, but mm-hmm. not like the 
San Diego yeah, Vice. Very, like, color. Yeah, San Diego Vice, sure. But, but like, very bright colors and that kind of thing. Yeah. The Royals did, like, a fountains thing for Kansas City. Like, it was cool. Yeah. And I and I do appreciate that. So, it, but I think college basketball, like, when they any big program ties in their campus, I think it's amazing. And Duke tying in, like, their gothic architecture um, is just so cool to me. And those are my favorite jerseys in college basketball. I, I love that. Um some of my favorites, I think there's a couple worth noting. Um, I kind of forgot about these, but when I was looking it up, I found this picture and I forgot that they did this. Nike released that series a few years ago where they were like the front, like the center where the name would usually be, or like the, the name of the team or the school was the logo. And I thought that looked sweet. Mm-hmm. I know that's a controversial take. I know some people like hated it. I thought it looked cool on some. I will. I will asterisk that. When it's a letter, I don't think it looks good. So like, for like Nova did it, like Kentucky, like like then it's kind of just like one in the same of what you already did. Like do it's just like a shorter version. But when it's a logo like Gonzaga's, that one was sweet. When it was just like the bulldog and the number, that looked so cool. Texas looked great. Um, Michigan State's looked awesome because it was gold too, which I loved. Um, so yeah, like those, I really liked those. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my first big one. Uh, my second one is a relatively simple one, but I think they just do it right. Arizona Wildcats, um, the red jerseys, uh, blue lettering with like the gradient of like the navy at the top of the jersey and the bottom of the shorts. Good for you. I hate gradients. I think it looks tacky. But but I I, I just respect think they your... do it right and um, it's simple but it's still like unique and no I there's very few like big reputable programs that are doing something like this and I just think when I see those on TV with like good pop good colors gradient I think that they're one of the few teams that pulls it off and that's my second favorite jersey in college mm-hmm. basketball. Um, one of my my second favorite um, I would have to say. Man, it's and this is a very, again, like this is part of like who played in it. But they then they went away and then they brought him back recently. The Michigan Fab Five jerseys, that maze with just the classic like block Michigan across the front, like just, and it's not. I mean, the jersey is very simple, but like reminding me of like the Fab Five and like the cultural effect that they had on college basketball one of my favorites i loved seeing that um and they recently brought it back they also recently i didn't hate it they um i think it was just last year maybe it was the year before but they did like the block m in white Mm -hmm. like uh, like bigger than the rest of the word i thought that looked pretty cool too yeah as as nauseous as i'm about to be (laughs) saying this it wasn't one of my favorites that we're gonna discuss but i will add that the block m and then the smaller, like, Michigan. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, I think and it looks cool. It pains me six. If anyone knows me, I'm not a huge Wolverine guy. Well, you're from Columbus. So. But uh, they do it right um, with the block M. I think it's unique. I've never seen anything like it. And I I like those jerseys. And it's... It, Put them in any other color in any other state name. And I, <laughs> that's a 10 out of 10. It would be my number one. But it wouldn't work that way. You know what I'm saying? Because... It's that's the brand. Yeah, is the M. Like I think I think Xavier. I don't think they could do the same thing, 
but like something similar that's centric around the X. Like that's the big thing. And you were saying the other day, like Sean Miller loves the X. Like that's his brand. So I and I think it's that's kind of the thing with Michigan is everybody knows the block M similar to how everybody knows the X. So yeah, like um, I'd like I'd like to see Villanova do it. I you know on on the note of Villanova, Villanova's alternate logo with the cat jumping through the V, sweet. Need, we need to see more. Right? Love that. I the the line the pinstripe V is stupid. Very. Um, <laughs> I'd also, it's not stupid. It's just very basic. I'd also like to see Ohio State venture into script Ohio on their jerseys. Really? I think that. I mean, it's one of the most iconic things. The in, band in all of sports, let alone college sports, let alone college football. Script Ohio. Watch it on That's YouTube. That's a good point. I think it's one it's one of the most jaw dropping. But can things they but can they see. do that with Ohio U? Like is that a you know just if, as long as you don't play the Bobbies, I don't right. see okay. any problem. Um to say my final one, and I couldn't decide if I should include Xavier and I'm not going to, so I'm going to say that the white and blue Xavier running man would be my honorable mention. I think that's one of the cleanest jerseys in college basketball. Um, But my third and final favorite would be the Florida State alternate light blues. Oh, I love that take. um, I know some people aren't huge fans of them, but I love these jerseys. I love them. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, they look good. The light, the light blue with staying true to the colors on the jersey number and lettering and the accent and the stripes down the side. I think they are beautiful. They look great on court. Um, and I, I just think that they do it right. And I'm really hoping that they wear them this year. I think last year they looked great. And I don't know if it was a one-year thing or if this is right. a multi-year. Um, but... I I think a real testament to see how good a jersey is is if I don't like the program and I can like your jersey, you're doing something right. Michigan's doing something right. Florida State's doing something really right. Yeah, love that. Um, Okay, I've got a couple honorable mentions. Um, First off, uh, University of Kansas, and this is a homer pick, but the cream that they've been doing the last couple years with the great – take with the uh have you seen this the pinstripes are the rules of basketball sweet pain uh, with the script jayhawks I'm going, that's I'm, so good i'm going back to if you're paying homage to your campus to your history right with um Naismith, it's it's just you're doing something right yeah no, the, the sport is being corrected nature's healing yeah when you do that huge huge fan of that one um another favorite of mine San Francisco, their logo, just first of all, the USF, yeah. love it. Green and gold looks great. Love their jerseys. That's just a side note. So my favorite all time, you're going to hate this, the 2013 Adidas March Madness line. <laughs> I got to pull up on my computer. Can you see it? These ones. You know what? Before he even shows me the picture, I'm going to say what comes to my mind. That stupid belt-looking stripe that was on like Louisville's jerseys. Where? Like, like on the back of. Oh no no no! We're thinking of two different things. Oh, you're thinking of the one that was like the logo on one side. Yeah, like. It was like a different two-sided shorts. Yes, I. Okay, no, I agree. I hated those. Vomit. 
and okay actually i take that back i didn't hate it because i liked the big logo but the the solid band short i agree okay worse is that i have to look up kevin ware to find it that's no no no, this was kevin ware's year i know but like it just makes me sad yeah that i'm looking up kevin ware to find the weird short things yeah i i know what you're talking about i don't like him okay but these now how did that manage to get into your top three part of it's nostalgia uh, I was gonna say, like, like sixth grade Shibble was definitely running around in these. Dude, oh my god, I had the full KU one. Granted, we never wore them because Bill Self looked at them once and said, "I am never putting my team on the floor in those." <laughs> Which, fair enough. But like, he's doing something right. <laughs> exactly. But like, I just remember Baylor losing to UAB, or no, it was to Yale. Sorry. Losing to Yale. Oh, and in wearing this highlighter stupid uniform. Rebound in the ball with Torian Prince. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. That is one of the funniest. Someone brought that up in my um, ecology lecture the other day. So funny. Like, so, so funny. But I, I, I genuinely did like these. I loved how Notre Dame's were clovers. You got me there. As opposed to camo. I appreciated that. The UCLA ones didn't look bad. Um, the only thing that makes me mad about the picture when I look at it um, like the advertising picture here is the length of the shorts. They're all below the knee, which is wild. Um, but it just takes me back. Like I remember, like that was the year the Louisville won the national title. Um, and then, wait, yes, I thought no one won that year. <laughs> You're right. Apologies. Yeah, no one won that. Um, that was the year that nobody won the national title. But Louisville wore these in these the championship game. in the championship game when no one won. Yeah. Um, against Michigan. Just would like to note that, but Michigan didn't win either, so I don't know. I'm having a hard time following. Yeah. Anyways, um, but no, I did. I did like these. Um, as much of this is a hot take. Um, we need to get you one on DHgate. I mean, I already have one. Okay, (laughs) these are the ones you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Like, cause Louisville's was like white and red. Yeah. Ours was like. It looks like a belt, and whoever approved of it. Yeah. I don't. No, these one. No, I don't no, no, agree no. with. Sorry, you. sorry, sorry. These. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I didn't. The thing I did like about these. Sorry, this is really confusing for those listening to a podcast because we're looking at visuals. The thing that I did like about these ones is that they had the big logo on one side. Mm-hmm. I liked that. The belt. Yeah, you had thing. me in the first half. Yeah, this thing. Bad. It. it I literally a have belt. a pair. Hold on, one second. I literally have a pair. This. This is not going to be good. Evan Shibble is currently looking for the belt shorts. <laughs> Hold on, where are they? I know they're in here. Oh, no. Oh, oh. I told you. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Oh. I think they're sweet. I think the logo is cool. I like the logo on one side. Yeah, no, no, no. Right. Yeah, do that again. No, and then roll up the shorts. Hide the belt. The, those are perfect shorts yeah. right there if you get rid of the belt. Okay, that's fine. And I also love that they have pockets. Don't <laughs> tell me that they... Do they work? No, no, I don't think they were pockets. Oh, my God. I was like, how did that get cleared? Yeah, I don't think they were pockets. Whoever was in ch- charge of the upper part of the shorts put... If they put pockets and the belt thing, and the belt. I was like, there's cool. no way they have a job. Yeah. Okay, anyways, moving on, getting away from visual stuff that our listeners can't see. Um, 
what's our final section, Graham? Something a lot easier to talk about. Thank God. Um, this is really difficult. Yeah, we are going to go through our favorite Cinderella run oh, of so all time. Number one. Number one. Numero uno. Yep. Okay. What you got? Oh, I'll let you, no, no, I'll let you go first because I'll let you have the, the layup. Um, or or should I say the... The dunk. dunk. <laughs> of course, I'm going with Dunk City. Um, so much fun. Or the Gulf Coast. Because um, the reason I, I really liked their run is obviously the dunks, the lobs, everything was so much fun. Um, I like remember... I remember those commentaries in yeah. my head. Because they weren't expecting any of them. No. It wasn't like, oh, when Zion was at Duke, it's like, oh, he's dribbling towards the hoop. It's he's going to go dunk. throw down. You got some... 6'6 six, six white guy that just threw down like a windmill dunk on Florida. Like, yeah. what? On Georgetown. The reason why I love the, like their run for outside the reasons that we already listed was that they weren't just winning games like half-court heave, oh my god, Cinderella, we're going dancing, we just beat the best team in the country. They were beating teams. They beat the crap out of Florida Gulf Coast. Or sorry, out of Georgetown. Yeah, it was like, what the heck just happened? Yeah, and that was like for three games in a row, or two games in a row, and then they got to the Elite Eight, and that that would be my favorite. Run. Okay, um, I've got two honorable mentions, and then I do have a favorite, um, for sure by far, and it's probably a little bit of a hometown thing, but um, Butler in twenty eleven, number eight to the title game. It was poetic. It was in Indianapolis. God, I wish that shot went in. Mm-hmm. Like, that would just be the most, like, college basketball of all college basketball if Gordon Hayward had made that shot. Um, unfortunately, it did just roll off the rim. St. Peter's last year was unbelievable um, the, of the likes we've never seen. Um, but my favorite, Wichita State in 2013, number nine seed to the Final Four, simply because people didn't even know where or what Wichita, Kansas was. They didn't know how to pronounce it. I heard a lot of... Wichita. Wichita was my favorite one, but a lot of Wichita, you know, whatever. Like, they could not figure out how to say the name of the city. And Fred Van Vliet was gross. I'll never forget when he hit... I forgot who they were playing. That must have been... That was Kentucky when they beat... No, 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 they beat once in Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It'd be one second, Zaga. I'll never forget Fred Van Vliet hit the right hand in and out and absolutely dropped a dude, like a single-handed dribble move, and then hit a one-hand layup, and that was just like, I was like, oh, my God, this kid is legit. So, loved seeing that. Um, and, yeah, loved seeing, you know, Greg Marshall kind of get his, his moment there in Wichita State. I mean, that's what put him on the map. You know, since then they've been kind of a – Perennial basketball school, obviously, they were a one seed the next year, did lose in the second round to Kentucky. Um, but, yeah, names like Ron Baker, names like Fred Van Vliet, those are names that I'm probably never going to forget mm-hmm. simply because of that Cinderella run. So, love seeing that. But, uh, but yeah, so, anywho, that uh, will kind of wrap up our content for the evening. We hope you enjoyed this kind of fun um, fun episode that doesn't really have a lot to do with current college hoops. Um but again, yeah, looking forward to getting into the swing of things this season. Um, you know, trying some new things out, um, really pushing our content. And obviously, this is kind of the first full year we've had together. So I'm really looking forward to it, Graham. Can't wait to see what the future holds for us. And I'll let you uh, take us out here, sir. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's good to be back 
recording. Of course, in the coming weeks, we're going to have a little bit more current news, but this was a fun, um, you know, like icebreaker, 43-minute icebreaker to get uh, the ball rolling and back in the swing of things, college basketball. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, It's great to be back, and have a great rest of your week. Have a good one. Cheers. We'll see you in a month.